On Saturday, May 30th, Flint, Michigan Sheriff Chris Swanson was ready for the worst as protests began over the death of George Floyd. But when he took off his helmet and riot gear, he started a movement. Why'd he do it? You can't look at a situation and expect it to be perfect because this is not heaven. Whether you're in Tibet, Yemen, Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. You can't be discouraged because, you know, when it comes down to inequality, when it comes down to poverty, when it comes down to violence, it's all sin. It all stems from sin. No matter how bad you try to change the world, you live in a, in a world that will only be changed by one thing, and that is the return. But what you can do is your part. You have a little circle of influence. Go into the world, give the good news, and let the chips fall as they may. You cannot be discouraged by communist governments or dictatorships or socialists or the injustice of people through human trafficking or slavery. You can't let that snuff out the fire either. That's what you can do. Today, an exclusive interview with viral video sensation Chris Swanson on his faith and missional lifestyle in one minute. But first, a word from ABWE President Paul Davis. ABWE missionaries are coming beside the lost and the hurting around the world. And through the Global Gospel Fund, they're pulling people from the darkness and training them as leaders. They're planting churches, and they're even beginning their own missions movements. You may already support one ABWE missionary. Would you consider a gift to the Global Gospel Fund to support all 1,000 of our missionaries? Thank you for that. Become a partner today at abwe.org slash global gospel fund. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Mobilization, joined by Scott Dunford, ABWE's West Coast Mobilizer and Lead Church Planter for Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. For those of our listeners, viewers who are saying, hey, you don't usually do video. The reason we had to do video today is because of this beautiful man mane that Scott is working on. Scott, can you let us see that beard? Well, you got it. This is all it is. So that's what happens when you don't shave. It does tend to happen. Um, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens when you don't shave. Uh, The real reason we wanted to do video today is because with everything going on in the country, and we are a podcast that's primarily focused on God's mission in the world, but God's mission in the world doesn't leave out what's happening in within our own borders. And we have a special guest today who's very connected, uh, believe it or not, with ABWE. You may know him um, from one of the viral videos that's going around that's been encouraging. There's been so many videos going around that aren't encouraging, but Chris Swanson is a sheriff in Flint, Michigan, and uh, we'll allow Chris to introduce himself a little bit. But Scott, why don't you just share briefly some of the backdrop? Yeah, so you guys have seen the videos of of protesters, and one of the videos that have that have come out is actually of Chris joining out and meeting some of the protesters, and and really kind of giving a, a message of hope and encouragement. And so, um, if you can tell us a little bit more about it. I, I spent many many years in in Shiawassee County, one county over. My brother is a pastor in Linden, and uh, and I know you grew up in Grand Blanc. His kids go to Grand Blank schools. So we have a lot of, of territory. I know that area very well. I've been to Flint many, many times. So tell us a little bit what's going on in Flint and kind of what was behind that. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks, ABWE. I've been uh, linked up with uh, your organization for years because of my inroads with Jeff and Jody Demerley, uh, my hot blonde wife's uh, brother, 
And uh, so <laughs> I just want to say thanks for having me here. Um, 26 years married this year, and I met her in wow. jail. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, I'll let that settle for the Christian folks out there. <laughs> But I would tell you, I, I started police work at 18 years old here as a seasonal Marine deputy. My dad was Detroit police officer right after the riots for seven years. My grandfather did 32 years on the job at Detroit police. So it's kind of in my blood. It's in my DNA. I'm the only one in my bloodline, both on side, my mom and dad, that are in law enforcement right now. And I got hired full time when I was 20. So I just completed my 27th year on the job here in Flint, Genesee County. Wow. I rose to the ranks uh, as an intern from my community college all the way to sheriff. And uh, I'm very, very proud of that journey. I don't know of any sheriff since 1836 that's done that. Um, I've been a police officer since I was 21, a licensed medic still this now uh, since I was 20. And I will tell you that, um, that everything in my life, even from my salvation to traveling the world, to seeing the most craziest things, to being where I am now, can all come back to the sheriff's office here in Genesee County. Everything good in my life, mm. everything good has come from this place. So huh. my background has taken me a long journey and I'm happy for it. I love that. So tell us what's happened. First of all, uh, summarize the video for those of our audience that haven't seen it. What, what happened that day and what's happened in the days in Flint since then? Well, um, you know, that day, which was May 30th, 2020, it's uh, a little over two weeks ago, you know, you had seen what happened the Monday before. You had uh, somebody who was wearing our badge and our uniform, but wasn't who we were in Minneapolis. Uh, have a subject, a black male, prone on the ground, handcuffed, and uh, used his knee on the back of the neck, cutting off the carotid flow to the brain. The guy's begging for his life, begging for his mother. The crowd is begging for the officer to give up, but for eight minutes, 46 seconds, uh, his arrogance uh, led to the death of George Floyd. And because of that, and I can speak from the field, it lit a cascade of mm. protests and anger, righteous anger, uh, that spilled over to multi-multi-level damages and, and all sorts of national, as you can see it. I mean, uh, I, you have to be living under a rock if you don't see what's going on in America today. Mm, yeah. Well, at Friday before the event on the 29th, we had felt the tensions rise that Friday. That's when it boiled over. They torched a sheriff's office in Oregon. They smoked out uh, CNN, they lit precincts on fire. Well, the protest that we had here in Flint, and Flint has always had uh, for years and years, decades, a negative perception, you know, crime, poverty, General Motors, water crisis, one on top of the other, and then it heals the pandemic. So we knew going into it that it was highly contentious, and especially mm -hmm. you can't justify what happened in Minneapolis to create that, that tension. So they started gathering about five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, they started growing by the by the hour. The crowd went from fifty to hundred, and long about dusk. Now they had already gone back and forth up and down the road. They shut down southbound interstate traffic for a few minutes, but everybody was cool. But when they turned towards the local police department, which is on a road that you have to take because you want to be there, it wasn't uh, an accident. It was deliberate. That's when everything changed. And um, when they started coming down the road towards the local police department at Flint Township, which incidentally was the incident command center, uh, that's when all the tensions on both sides just exploded. Sure. Well, what happened is obviously, you know, we're battle preparing like everybody else, helmets, shields, batons, you know, less than lethal weapons, uh, tear gas launchers, everything you see. We were just about to become a staff. And as I'm walking up to this mass crowd coming down the street, just uh, just 
so enraged with hostility and saying horrible things, you know, at the police and police are dying, you know, murder the police and all that stuff. I literally, I was just thinking a week ago, we were heroes. Frontline workers for COVID-19 on the front line. Everybody loved us, bringing us lunch, bringing us masks. Now we're the biggest enemies, the villains. And I thought to myself, like, how did we get here? Like, I love this place so much. How did it get so bad? And as I walked up to the line with all the gear on that everybody else had, minus the time, you know, seeing some of my guys, they have their shotguns ready to go with rubber pellets. We had people all over the place. They're calling for all cars in the county to respond. I mean, it was, it was, it was head to head. But I looked to my right, and uh, I don't know who instigated it, but one of the officers, I saw uh, a fist bump. I saw somebody just reach over the line. It was just, uh, and I'll tell you the reason for believers, but it was just an instinctive move. And um, we know in law enforcement that in the most highest stress situations, you always go back to how you're trained. Mm. You go back to instincts, you go back to experience, and you just perform. I took my helmet off because I knew psychologically, I'm like, if I take my helmet off, it's going to send a message. And mm -hmm. I looked in the crowd and there was a, a black pastor buddy of mine, Jeff Hawkins. He had uh, lost two sons, two different situations to homicide. And I've been friends with him for five years. Um, so I knew he was around the area. I'd just seen him before. I called him up. I said, where are you? He goes, I'm in the crowd. I said, I'm coming for you. And I went in the crowd. Probably the worst tactical move you can make but I was at total peace. It's not to be a superhero. I had more anxiety with all my gear behind the line than I did taking off my gear and walking in the crowd. Right. And I'm sure it probably, uh, I mean, they probably didn't realize what was happening too because I had my sheriff gear on. Gave a big old hug. And then there's a lead organizer that came by. I gave him a hug. And I'm like, bro, that guy is now who we are. I said, these cops love you. I said, we're here mm -hmm. for you to protect you. And uh, so you tell me what I need to do. And he goes, tell the people. And I said, you get their attention and the rest is history. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I'm, we're really curious about your, how, how your faith has impacted all of this. And, and we want to talk a little bit about some of the things that God has allowed you to do even overseas, not just in, in, in Michigan. So how did your understanding of the gospel inform uh, that those decisions, even the decision to stand in solidarity with those seeking racial equal, uh, equality? Well, let me just say that none of that came to my mind that night. Like I wasn't holding <laughs> scripture in my head, you know, to be first must be the last and servant to all. Go, Chris. None of that happened. But uh, I was raised Lutheran. God bless my parents, gave me a good, you know, religious background. But I became a transitional uh, Baptist when I met my wife and, uh, and then a full-fledged believer over a period of time. I don't have a day or a time or whatever. I don't have any of that. And um, you got to clear it out. Sorry, that's one okay. second. You're running a functioning sheriff's office, so that happens. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot going on. Just a little fun fact that 11 o'clock, I'm on HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble for 30 minutes. All right. So it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. All that to say, um, you know, I, I, I grew in my faith over the years. I've always been very bold, unapologetic, and it's created massive conflict, too, especially being in this field. But I've always put myself on the front lines. You know, I was on a dope team and human trafficking. And I mean, I was an aggressive cop. I was a detective for a long time. And you know, I've always been out there doing what I need to do. And, and at the same time, uh, about 11 years ago, um, I started really preaching, you know, for different churches and getting out there. And, and I got a little edge to my speaking, and uh, which is kind of like one of the draws. 
Um, but all that deepening of my faith and, you know, having my kids and I mean, it just, it's part of my culture. It's part of who I am. You know, it's just like training. It's just like competing. It's, it's part of my daily thing. So those truths, those biblical truths always build a foundation that you can pull back on, you know, being an iron man, I, I pull back on those experiences when I don't even think about it being a veteran police officer. I pull back on that. So all that came to pass for that exact moment. But what also came to pass is I've always taken care of people. Even when I was a little kid, I've always had a good positive attitude. I was always a talker. I've always like, you know, I can relate to anybody. I always had older friends. I grew up in a mixed neighborhood. You know, I could talk to the stoners. I could talk to the blacks. I could talk to the whites. And, and I got always hustling in jobs so I could talk to business owners. And, and then my career grew as my faith grew. I became very relatable to people. And then I became a student of leadership. This is about 20 years ago. And then I started teaching and, and speaking all over the state, went over the country and over the world on leadership and ethics and all sorts of things. And I said no to Jeff Dunley because I met him when I was 20 years old. He was already in the pastorate, but not in the mission field. Uh, when he became a missionary, him and Jody went to Slovakia to meet. Uh, I said, that ain't never happened to me. Never. No way. <laughs> And uh, clearly don't ever say that because in 2012, uh, I was at a picnic for another um, mission group. Now, Jeff and Jody had already been in their group, but uh, I was challenged to do a week-long trip to Haiti. And uh, 15 minutes into a meeting, I come out and I told my wife, I say, hey, by the way, uh, Riley and I are going to Haiti next year. He's 13. And uh, they were just, she was just like, you know, what do you say? But you can't say no. That being said, since 2013, uh, I've done a, a long week missions trip every year with my kids since they were 13. And we went with a group called CWE construction World evangelism. And, and we build buildings and I'm on block week, which is the first week of laying block and mixing mortar and pouring ground all by hand, as you know, but you know, in the, in the worst of the worst. So Haiti, Dominican, Grenada, Mexico, for human trafficking, um, yeah. Chile, Honduras, you know what it is on the mission field. It's harsh, but it was the greatest field trip you can go on to learn and to observe people that can do nothing for you. That's like true gospel. It's bringing a message of hope and peace to people that can give nothing back, bringing them the good news. Mm. But I really got involved with Haiti. I've been to Haiti a lot and uh, not only to do missions trips, but also through human trafficking enforcement with another whole organization that I do. And I recall one of the Haitians saying, you know, whenever our country is in need, whenever our country hurts, it's not our government, it's not our people, it's always the Christians that come to help. Mm. And I realized that time on the mission field really brings you to a level of understanding and humanity, that these folks have nothing. And serving them at the smallest level is great, mighty lesson. So what happened that exact moment is all those things piled on together. I literally looked out and I thought, they're just like me. Like the humanitarian effort is embedded in my mind, in my heart. Like I need to go to them. Mm. And I'm back now. And I even saw my gears turning when they said, walk with us. I could see this internal dialogue, which I didn't even know I was having. But it was all those things like, Chris, you've been in so many situations throughout your career and on the mission field where you were uncomfortable and you were scared and you didn't know what the next step was going to bring. And it is dangerous. Walk. Just walk. 
Mm. I mean, I pray for wisdom and discernment and humility, and I pray for supernatural doors to be open. Well, the door's right there. Mm. And, uh, and subconsciously, I built in obedience to take that step, and it became a global movement. And I'm glad I did, because it's changed my life forever, and it's put Flint on the map. We just finished day 15 with protest every day. In Flint, Michigan, not a single arrest, not a single fire, not a single injury. In Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Praise God. What a testimony. We'll be right back with Sheriff Chris Swanson. Hi, I'm Scott Dunford, and I would like to share with you about a new nonprofit ministry established to help churches, Christian schools, and other ministries protect children and prevent abuse. Rich Hamar from Church Law and Tax states that the number one reason that drives churches to court is child sexual abuse. I can't think of anything more devastating to these lives, their families, and our witness before a watching world than sexual abuse that takes place in ministry. The traumatic impact often leaves the vulnerable not wanting anything to do with God or his people. Furthermore, as ministry leaders, our efforts toward evangelism, discipleship, and spiritual formation are not only neutralized, but shattered. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention was formed last year to help ministry leaders understand the complexities of child protection and abuse prevention. They are establishing standards and an accreditation program that will help verify that appropriate measures are in place at your church or ministry. Learn more about them and their good work at abuseprevention.org. Find a helpful and free assessment tool to help you see how you measure up in this area. Go to abuseprevention.org and click on the link for this resource assessment. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. Pray for them and follow along for this accreditation program coming soon. Brooks Buser, president of Radius International. I am here with Mark Dever, senior pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist and president of Nine Marks. When you go to a culture that's a different language than yours, you're ending up in a kind of majority language that's been reached. And there are other peoples still more hidden, and it's those people who are often almost entirely unreached, and they take more cross-cultural effort Is there a way we can better train people to have more realistic expectations of what life is like in the kind of two steps away from my culture and be able to sustain family life with its normal difficulties there so that there can be a long years and even decades long witness in that culture? And it seems like Radius is set up to provide that training. Radius is about reaching unreached people groups. Go to radiusinternational.org, radiusinternational.org. And we're back with Sheriff Chris Swanson from Flint, Michigan. What encouragement would you give to people that are missionaries, maybe full-time, and they're doing that all the time, and they see uh, injustice, or maybe they have run-ins with law enforcement, maybe it's a place where Christianity can't be practiced, but wherever it is, it's a place where you're going to have conflicts with the reigning authority structures, what would be your word to them? Well, I would tell you, uh, now that I can relate being a short-term missionary, not certainly a long-term full-term, but um, I will say you, you can't look at a situation and expect it to be perfect because this is not heaven. Hmm. No matter where, you, whether you're in Tibet, Yemen, Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. This isn't heaven. This is, for a Christian, this is the, uh, the word it's going to get. You know, for a non-Christian, this is the best it's going to get. So you got to know where your alliance lies. You can't be discouraged because, you know, when it comes down to inequality, when it comes down to poverty, when it comes down to, you know, violence, it's all sin. It all stems from sin. So that injustice, no matter how bad you try to change the world, 
you live in a, in a world that will only be changed by one thing, and that is the return. But what you can do is your part. You have a little circle of influence. Whatever that circle is, maybe bigger than mine or smaller than mine, that's what you can do. You can use that circle of influence to stay positive. Use that circle of influence to go into the world, give the good news, and let the chips fall as they may. You cannot be discouraged by communist governments or dictatorships or socialists or, or the injustice of people through human trafficking or slavery, uh, injustice uh, that we see all the time. Uh, but you can't let that snuff out the fire either. Mm. You have to be those, those flaming arrows that are being shot into this crowd of injustice to be the light. I mean, all those verses that come to pass uh, are, are in the most difficult situations where they benefit the most. You know, we can sit from our pulpits, we can sit from the churches in the safety of our home in the sunshine where there's no conflict and say, hey, I'm a strong Christian, but really are you? If you're battle-tested as a Christian, that's called validation. You know, David could have waited before he took the first step. But when he took the first step, he changed history. Same thing through your life. You are on the front line. So don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as you're right there validating all the things that you read about, all the things you study. So just stay the course. You're light. So we know you need to go. You've got a lineup of interviews, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Can you give us just one last word? How would you encourage Christians to, 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 to encourage those uh, minorities that are really struggling during this time, or even how you would encourage Christians to encourage their law enforcement members that are in their community or in their, in their church, especially those that, that are just trying to do the right thing and being faithful in the calling God's given them. Okay. Uh, you might have to edit this out, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. Uh, I get two types of critiques for doing what I'm doing. I get those that have been, um, impacted negatively by law enforcement that you're going to have a hard time changing their minds. And I get the other critique and criticism from church, my own people who sign it blessed, who sign it. God bless you. That's why hypocrisy is the greatest detriment to the church today where we say one thing, but we don't show up by our actions. So I would ask those that are watching and listening to do a self-examination that if Christ came here to serve and he served prostitutes and tax collectors and the lepers, he served those drunks and, and, and addicts. Are you and I doing the exact same thing? Hmm. Or are we creating a divide because number one, we don't understand the world. Number two, we don't accept their world. We think they're responsible whether they are or not. Or number three, we are better than they are. If we get that mindset, then we are right where we have been for years and where we will have no change. But when I see people, and just like my Haitian national friend, when Rocky tells me it's the church that comes to help, then it's the church that needs to come forward and bridge this gap. And how do you do that? Break out of your church circles, break out of your Bible studies, break out of going to the world to people that don't look like you, act like you, believe like you. And you don't have to be ashamed. I have a huge Muslim friend population. They know I'm Christian and I know they're Muslim. We eat together. We laugh together. I visit them. But if I don't understand the nation of Islam, because I think this way, they think that way, you will always have a natural divide. That's not unity. Just because you are with somebody and you encourage them doesn't mean you agree with everything they say. 
And I believe just like law enforcement, because I'm talking to my, my Christian brothers and sisters, it, the burden falls on us as a police department to be the change. And the burden fell on me that night as the sheriff to make the step. Well, the burden falls on the chief, the, 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 the church right now yeah. to go out there and say, hey, we are going to make a mad difference. Get out of your inconvenience. Get out of your past, whatever you think it is, and go sit down to somebody who uh, is from the Black Lives Matter. Go sit down with somebody and say, listen, tell me why you believe this way. I would like to build a friendship. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to wake up one day and go, oh, my gosh, what just happened? I mean, it ain't about that. Look how Christ did his ministry. He walked with the people. He talked with the people. He took care of people. So that's my encouragement. For the cops out there listening, stay focused. Don't worry about it. You're still doing the greatest thing ever. It's a great field. Stay the course. It's going to be all right. Those that are out there, support your police. So long answer to your short question, but it starts with each one of us. You got to take action. And one more side note here. Uh, you know how people, if they don't want to do something, and I hope this doesn't come off wrong, they say, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'll pray about it. <laughs> Prayer's good, but you know what's better? Pray while you're acting. You know, <laughs> pray while you act. True. You can do the same thing, but just don't pray to come from your house and never take a step out. The Bible says to go. That was our first, the first action of the Great Commission is to go. That means you got to move. Couldn't have said it any better ourselves. <laughs> Chris Swanson, Sheriff's uh, Department for Genesee County in Flint, Michigan. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, every fun, everyone, for listening. If you want to get more content, go to missionspodcast.com. Be sure to listen, subscribe, rate us, give us a positive rating. And we'll see you next week on the Missions Podcast. To get more content, go to missionspodcast.com or check out abwe.org slash podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. To ask a question or suggest a topic, email alex at missionspodcast.com, and we'll see you next time on the Missions Podcast.